0: One of the fun things about creating something is how it breaks from how it was in your mind to how it ends up on on the page or like on you know on the app or whatever. When you've gotten it out of your brain and that breaking and, and like fixing it and like it, having a break again, I think that's really the fun part actually of, of the whole thing.
1: You're listening to sound and process, an exploration of the artists of lines. This is episode 24 with Riley Lyman. Riley is a brilliant mathematician, teacher, speaker, developer, musician, and facilitator of community. She's a moderator at Lines, a constant and encouraging presence in the Norns Discord, and in the last few weeks of December last year, she released an incredible collection of hyperpop and electronica songs as Alonza called Learning to Run. An episode with Riley has long been on my wish list, like since 2018. In every track she shared as part of the Disquiet Junta that year, Riley always uncovered the most hypnotic and miraculous timbres, and her virtuosity as a synthesis has only become more evident in the years since. In this episode, Riley will share insights into her pursuits as a mathematician, her strategies for synthesizer orchestration, both inside and out of a pop music context, and some background into the production of Learning to Run. Riley approached our conversation with so much generosity and openness of heart, and I'm just thankful that we finally got to make this happen. So without further delay, I'm thrilled present Sound and Process episode 24 with Riley Lyman.
0: I could stand to be a little bit more what's the word? Like integrated with like the the facets of my life. Like I'm really excited to share the music that I've done this year with the mathematically sciency folks in my life, but I don't know. Yeah, I can't say that I've done it a ton. So I don't have a lot to speak to on that side of things. And instead, I have a lot of, like, meeting people that are scared of math for, like, you know, whatever reason and trying to, like, convey a little bit of, like, I don't know, the, the question of, like, what do you do? Like, that kind of thing. Like, making that understandable and accessible, I think, is like a a... It's a hard thing to do. I'm going to practice on you. Here's the small concept that I've been thinking a lot about for the past couple months. It's called an end. And here here's one way to think about it. So think about a line that goes on forever in both directions. And imagine you're walking up to this line and you take a chunk out of the middle of it and you throw away the chunk. So the line, now it's in like sort of two pieces. You have like kind of the left half and the right half. And it didn't really matter how big the chunk was that you threw away, there's always going to be that big left half and that big right half. And so because of this, I can throw away larger and larger chunks, and there's two pieces left over, we say the line has two ends. So it's kind of like a way of, I don't know, kind of going to infinity maybe. And if we did this with another sort of space, we might get different behavior. For example, like think about a a plane that goes off infinitely in all directions. And you know, walk up to the plane and take a little, a a little, a big, a a huge, I don't know, chunk out of the middle of it and throw that away. And now there's something that's different now because you can walk around the outside of the chunk and like kind kind of come back to where you started. So there's really one piece that's left over, even though I threw away this, this big chunk. And if I throw away a bigger and bigger chunk, that's still true. There's still, like, one big piece left over. So the plane has one end. And then there's, like, other behavior that could be possible, too. Like, if you had something that branched, you could maybe have three ends when I throw away, like, a small chunk, and then eight ends when I throw away a bigger chunk, and the number of ends could, like, kind of increase and increase and increase. So you could have, like, infinitely many ends in the in the sort of limit. And it turns out for, like, stuff that I like, um, groups, which are sort of, like, the abs- the idea of symmetry, I I just described for you all but one of the possibilities. There's also the possibility of having zero ends, But but, so you can either have zero, one, two, or infinitely many ends. If you have at least three, it turns out you have infinitely many, which is kind of cool. That's a real thing that people think about. I've been thinking about that for like months in like two different contexts. But it's like, you know, it's a little bit more accessible than you think at first, I think. So, yeah, it's really fun. doing my PhD I was at various points like very very stuck and like needed a new idea or a new new project even I, I thought about giving up a lot of times and then kind of right when I needed it to happen I had like a small idea that that just worked I was like working on some problem and my advisor was like what if you just try it for this thing and I was like oh I guess I could okay so I'll sit down and I'll try and make this one particular example work And I sat down and I was like, it works. And not only does it work, but the way that it works, I see like that it solves my problem. And being stuck for a long time and then sitting down and like, you know, getting my hands dirty with a a particular case of this general thing that I wanted to do. I think that taught me a lot of like staying with kind of toy versions of maybe things that you want to do and like sort of going from there. And like I don't know, I like it it's it's maybe hard to see how that translates into music necessarily just cuz like I don't know the the idea really was to like solve a very general problem once and for all but I do think that in music even though all you're doing is making you, you could you might say particular examples like Having like a little toy that you can work on and even if the rest of the piece is like you're phoning it in, like having that little toy like thing that you wanted to like really get, I think that that is kind of where I'm approaching things a lot of the time. Like trying to improve this one facet and then if the rest is just me staying in my comfort zone, I'm fine with that. There's this book that I haven't read but would like to, like A People's History of Science, that I think speaks to that sort of like folk understanding of things and, and how it can often like maybe precede a sort of rigorous scientific understanding of things. I think that we know a lot more than we think we do a lot of the time. I think I'm definitely a a concrete into fuzzy sort of person. I like was taking piano lessons when I was eight to like when I graduated college. So I like had that sort of access to music. And with the computer, I always felt like, oh, there's the grid. Like I want to make patterns. You know what I mean? Like I want it to look really satisfying on the grid, which is like kind of a, if you listen to like that stuff, it doesn't always, you know, translate into like great sounding music. So something that I'm, I'm like learning a lot or trying to apply is like breaking that, trying to like get out of the grid, not like entirely, but I don't know, make it work for me instead of being too like caught up in like, oh, this is four bars, this is four bars sort of thing. On I think the third track, it's not him, there's this like kind of high distorted sort of I don't know what to call it, like counter melody, I guess. And I had something that I wrote, and I was like, okay, cool. It sounds not quite right. And I was listening to like, maybe, I don't know, all sorts of things, but I think for that particular sound, I was really into this, this Church's track, like one of the ones where the guy sings, I think it's You Caught the Light, and I I listened to it and I was like, oh, it's a lot more spare than I thought it was. Like, so I, I basically like took the thing, made it maybe twice as long and like took out like half the notes of it. And suddenly it could breathe and it was a lot better. Yeah. So i I'm like, that's definitely another thing. Like I get a little nervous about like going directly at emotion, if that makes sense. So I, I, I kind of like, you know, dodge it. And like, if I, if I have like a craft thing that I want to do that like focusing on that is often a lot, a lot easier and lets me sort of sneak in like the emotional effects that maybe I want to try for. My first piece of gear was, was the MS-20, and I bought it from this guy I had like a crush on in Boston. And at the time, I was almost giving up on music. I like, hadn't been able to find something that felt sort of good and doable with it for a long time. And just noodling with the MS-20 and like patching things and going, oh, this is why in Max MSP, there are patch chords. Like, that, that moment, I think, was really important. And if I were approaching it now, then that would have meant that I didn't have that moment. And so it would be like, I'd be dusting things off a lot more. I think I don't know where I would have landed if I were like, if I had done it in a, in a totally like, like knowing what I know now and like, like with every foresight and, 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 and everything I'd, I maybe would just have like a Norns and a grid. Like that might be just, just like the only hardware stuff that I have. And, and like, a, like a, you know, a MIDI controller, but That's, I don't know, that's, like, a total fantasy just because, you know, coming up against these shining things and, like, learning from them, which has both positive and negative aspects of, like, oh, like, this is super cool and, like, allows me to do this XYZ thing that I, like, maybe didn't or couldn't before. And now I understand, like, why, you know, PDQ other thing, like, exists and people are into it but also the like oh i don't want that you know i now i've played with it and i don't want it that i i think i tried to really avoid the 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 gear swap of it just cuz it i don't know the the churn and like the every time you get a new thing like it takes you so, that much longer to like incorporate it into your practice that that was never really exciting to me every time i sold a module i was like i i did it wrong like i thought this was going to be the one and it really wasn't yeah so yeah, I don't know the the other stuff that I've picked up like you know along the way though I, I definitely have gotten a lot from and I'm happy to have and it's also like I don't know I also don't want to be too like utilitarian with it like if they're fun shiny things and they bring you joy hell yeah like I I don't know I have a uh the 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 silliest thing that I own I probably is is a plum butter just because like it it does nothing of what I wanted it to do and it's and it's and it's you know. It required me to buy, like, I don't know, upwards of 30, like, banana cables to just make it make sound. And, like, it's also a wonderfully playful little object. And, I don't know, yesterday I I made it make somewhere between, like, the calls of marine animals and the boats that are fishing them or something. Like, I don't know, it was just really fun. And it's interesting, the explosion of, like, visibility that Modular has had over the past, I don't know, what is it, five years? People are like, oh yeah, I know about modular. Like, so, so like my friend was like, who's, who's, you know never going to buy hardware. It was like, yeah, I've thought about it. And I was like, I don't know, that's kind of interesting to me because like, I, until I like met it I hadn't thought about it and like, wouldn't have thought about it. So it's definitely like the, its visibility is definitely like super different now than when it was what it was like five years ago. I'm really hopeful that like more people post to that thread about synthesizer orchestration. I found when I was writing this album that it's it, it varied a lot from track to track. Like the first track which I posted to the the thread, I think it I called it intro at the time, but I'm calling it me now, is at its core, it's just one sequencer going. And there's like a line that's like picking up the low notes of that sequence. And there's like a chord thing just to like have a chord thing, but have that be interesting for like three minutes. And yeah, there's just like so many effects that you can throw on a thing. And then like if you change those over time, you can really take it different places. So there's like, like that on the one hand. And then there's if you're trying to write like something more, you know, straight ahead poppy, maybe like push it through. Like, that one needed, it needed, like, a, a, a bass line that was a bassline. line. I think adding, like, the small stuff that you don't necessarily hear every, every time you even, like, listen through the whole track, but you'd miss it if it was gone. Performed live maybe in August or September, and I was like, you know what, this is fine, and I can like do like I think I was playing with my modular, and I was like, I can do you know cool melodies and cool timbres, but I don't really have a rhythm section. Like it takes me a lot, and it's very hard for my particular case to get a nice rhythm section. So I was like, all right, so I'm going to learn drums and bass, and that was the goal originally for for Fang, the the sequencer that I I wrote. But like what I learned, I think through that was sequencing drums fun, playing drums much more fun. So I think the next thing I'd like to do is try and do something where you can like a like a probably still a sequencer or something that like you know can is smart enough to keep going after you stop interacting with it. Because I'm I'm like you know thinking about like a a live performance eventually, but something that i can like you know i don't know just just tap in a kick and like hear the kick live like just give me that kick you know I think like the next time around, I'm definitely interested in trying to learn how to really like perform my voice, if that makes sense, not just like a producer of tones. Writing more lyrics is also a goal for the next time out. I like wrote, I think of the songs, the only one that I had sort of prepared lyrics in advance is called They Gave You Bones. is sort of like a, a delusional misreading of like like anti-Oedipus by Deleuze and Guattari as filtered through a friend explaining it to me on the phone and I was in a very weird mental state like I, I and I was sort of misreading it as like the idea of a body without organs I was like oh like what if you don't have organs until it, it becomes necessary for you to have them in order to deal with something like a doctor gives you the organ for you to cope with life. started this album i was living in manhattan in like a, a smaller apartment and i had all of my music stuff on my desk that was inside my room so there there just wasn't enough space to have everything set up and like for a while i would had been giving the modular like pride of place on my desk and i was like Ugh, but i'm not using it to the extent that like it would deserve this so i like I don't know, took it off of my desk for a while. And then when I sat down to the, create the album, I was like, I don't know, I, I wanted a constraint, so let me try making an album just from these tools that I had built for myself. That was the source of that. And then like when I when when it was like, you know, August or something, I forget when I wrote the the song that the MS twenty is on. But I was definitely like, Okay, like, you know, we're we're reaching the finish line. The constraint has been great, but I really want that sound on this track. So let me just record that. Nowhere,
1: nowhere far
0: from here. Nowhere- Yeah, I don't know. I expected also not to have vocals on the album at all. I kind of recorded each of the tracks on the album sequentially. Like one exception of track four, I wrote actually last year and was like, this one's coming onto this album. But I was in the middle of like writing track three. It's not him. And I guess I had like done like the bass line, which is sort of not dissimilar to the track one's baseline. It's kind of like, I don't know. Sequency and like kind of gnarly and like kind of grows and shrinks over time and I had this kind of piano sound almost like a like a like a real keys like doing octaves in the baseline sort of thing and I knew where it was building to it's building to this like sort of big like b- big stabs sort of like ending I had like kind of all of those things sort of sitting there And I had the counter melody and I had like all of the stuff and I was like it needs something in, like, kind of the mids. And, like, I guess that could maybe be a synth, but it doesn't need to be there the whole t- Oh, <laughs> that's vocals. That's exactly what that is. And I, I think the song only has, like, one line. I think I sing, like, it's not him, it's you and me. Like, I don't know, 18 times, maybe. Just because I was not prepared at all to sing at all. So I, I was, you know, just sort of noodling around trying to find something to sing. And that's what I hit on. And and I guess, like, the the rest is sort of history. I think most of the tracks have me singing on them. So I think, like, once I had it on the table, I was like, oh, we can really play with this. This can be something really fun. And then Fenn and Naomi released Sacred Cyborg Harmony. And I was like, oh, yes. I, like, got a mic stand for that script. Like, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing, that script, I love it. So the the next track I wrote and recorded in kind of one take, it's called Nowhere, and it's just me and Sacred Cyber Harmony. And you can tell that it's in one take and it's not, I don't know, because the, the quality is not maybe up to par, but it was really fun to to just sort of, like, you know, bite Image and Heap a little bit, bite, bite that hide and seek vibe. giving yourself permission to like try i think is it's definitely something that like when i teach math there's so much of that that you know needs to be done just cuz like people like get told all the time that they have permission to not try or they like in fact should not try because of you know xyz reason or whatever so i think yeah i guess because like i'm 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 super invested in this thing that everybody's like it's too hard i, th- I think i think i definitely try and be like okay i don't know Maybe I'm not going to be great at it, but but I'll learn Italian if I'm going to Italy. I have a lot of, I think, growing to do as a teacher, like talking with, with Spencer and with my friend Santana, who also is a, is a mathematician, and they've got like these great I don't know, these great pedagogical ideas. And I think for me, I think it's very easy for me to default to like solely content delivery. Like I'm just gonna sort of lecture at the board or whatever. And I think that that has its place for sure. Like sometimes you just need to tell people a thing and they're like, you know, there and ready to listen. But I think that a lot of the time, especially in in something like math, where so many people like get get the message that it's not for them. um, Anything you can do to like, make that connection of like, oh, maybe this doesn't have to be like, you know, you know, you don't have to be me. Like you don't have to like sit around thinking about math all day. But what I would like to be able to to do and something that I'm, I'm really excited to do when I start teaching again is finding ways to like have people bring what they already know. You know what I mean? Like, Rochelle Gutierrez is, is like a, a thinker. She's a math educator and a researcher in, like, the education of math. And she had this thing about the idea of misconceptions. And her argument was that students don't have misconceptions about, you know, concepts. They have conceptions. And reframing that from, like, oh, you're wrong to, oh, this is where you're right, actually. And here's where things that, that maybe you haven't, you know, haven't considered yet. That kind of like reframing of things I think was very cool to me. really enjoy teaching and I take pride in it but I, I definitely feel myself to be very young in in the practice of teaching. it's It's strange that all of the stuff that I've done and like learning that I've been able to do about teaching, none of it has been like even required of me, much less offered to me as like a oh, you're going into this field let's prepare you it's a, it, it's very DIY I guess the 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 practice of teaching. A thing that like really resonated with with me is the idea that like teaching is just sort of being fascinated in front of an audience. And so I, I feel like I'm like, I don't know, trying to do that a lot of the time. Just sort of like bring the excitement that I have for something and try and like find a way to connect like from a place of excitement rather than like one of like fear or nervousness.
1: This has been Sound in Process, Episode 24, with Riley Lyman. For more about her academic work, please visit her website at rileyalanza.org. And her fantastic album, Learning to Run, is available on Bandcamp at alanza.bandcamp.com. As always, Sound in Process is an exploration of the artists of lines, so please consider yourself invited to join the conversation at llllllll.co. That's 8Ls.co. Thanks so much for listening.